Welcome to the Fem Health Podcast, where we focus on providing clarity and evidence-based facts in female health and wellness. The internet, or as us physicians like to say, Dr. Google, can be overwhelming for patients seeking reliable information. And unfortunately, not all of that information is backed by research, science, and real doctors. Here, we pride ourselves on demystifying medicine for you and giving you access to some of the most talented medical doctors or experts in their field. I'm your host, Dr. Sian Akori, and I interview doctors so you can have an inside look at what I would ask my colleagues if I had a medical question. Let's get started with today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Fem Health Podcast. I am really excited to have a doctor on the show today who is not only a colleague, but also a friend. Dr. Anita K. Patel is here with us, and she is a pediatric critical care attending at Children's National Medical Center, as well as assistant professor of pediatrics at GW School of Medicine. After doing her undergraduate training at the University of Pennsylvania, she completed medical school at UVA. She then went on to complete a residency in pediatrics at Cornell, and finally, did a pediatric critical care fellowship at Columbia. She has an impressive pedigree, folks. In addition to clinical care, she devotes a large portion of her time to research facilitated by an NIH grant that she was awarded one year ago. In addition to her extremely impressive professional life, she is a devoted yogi. She has completed a 500-hour yoga teacher training during her critical care fellowship, as if fellowship's not busy enough. She is also recently married and started her IVF journey before she got married, which is definitely unique and something that we're going to delve into today. So welcome, Dr. Patel, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Saya. I'm really grateful to be on. And congratulations on your recent nuptials. How was your wedding? Thank you. It was excellent. Despite all the stress, it was totally worth it. Yeah, I don't think weddings are ever stress-free, but they're always just usually amazing events. So really happy for you. And one thing I want to kind of jump right into is that you and your husband, Brian, actually started the IVF journey before you got married, which is so unique. Yeah, we did decide to do that. A little extra background on me, because I'm not terribly shy about this, is that I am 36 now, will be 37 in February. So Brian and I got engaged when I was 35. And actually, when we first started to date just a couple months in, we found out that his sister, unfortunately, had developed stage three ovarian cancer. And she's young, she's only a year older than I am. And because of her age, they obviously did some genetic testing and found out that she was BRCA1 positive, who's positive for the breast cancer gene, essentially. That also, obviously, is probably deduced, puts you at risk for ovarian cancer as well. Because of that diagnosis, Brian decided to get tested and found out that he was also, in fact, positive. So when we got engaged, we talked about it a lot, our options. And to be honest, even as a physician, I did not know all of our options. But turns out, again, I learned this from my own research and actually from Instagram, I made friends with Natalie Crawford, MD, and also Ruhi Julani, and they both informed me about the option of like pre-genetic testing of the embryos. And you can actually make a probe for the BRCA gene, meaning that we can test all of our embryos for the BRCA gene and then decide 
basically not to implant the BRCA positive embryos. And as you can imagine, that's a really long process. And because of my age, I wanted to make sure that basically as soon as we got married, that I was able to have a baby soon thereafter. And that's why we decided to start the process about six months before we got married. That is a really interesting story. And I hope your sister-in-law is doing okay. She is doing great, thankfully. Actually, she had her final surgery today of all days, and she's doing really well. She's in remission right now. That's really good to hear. So for our listeners who are sort of unfamiliar with BRCA, it's a gene that is found in certain types of breast cancer. And as Dr. Patel had mentioned, it is something that you can be tested for. And there are some even over-the-counter sort of chromosomal tests that you can do to test for the BRCA gene. But why it's so important to do it in the embryo, which is the sperm and the egg combined, is because that will actually tell you if your child is going to inherit that gene. And that basically is what you're saying was your prompting for actually using exactly IVF. Because of course, for our listeners, if you get pregnant naturally, you're not really going to know if you're going to be inheriting that gene. And this way, there's some element of control that you can exert over your future child having it or not. That's absolutely right. And I think I'd be remiss not to say that there is another option. And that would be, you know, we have the technology now where you can do blood tests actually around nine to 10 weeks, I think is the earliest. And you can then test the genetics of your child growing inside you. I just kind of knew myself and being that far along, I think it would have been hard for me at that point to make decision on whether to move forward or not with the pregnancy. So that's why we decided also to do IVF. But it's important to know that there are other options. That's definitely worth mentioning. I think that knowing ahead of time definitely puts easier decision-making place than when you already have a child growing inside you. Exactly. Honestly, it's a really weird thing. I struggled with it even going through IVF for that reason. And I sometimes still do, to be honest. But I do think we were giving our children the best shot at having a cancer-free life. So ultimately, I'm very happy we did it. I think that there's definitely some mixed opinions on how much we use science these days. But there are some really beautiful benefits, especially when you have a situation where you've personally experienced someone who has had ovarian cancer. And I totally understand why you would want to give your child the best shot at not having something serious down the line. No, I appreciate that. So one other thing that I really want to talk about is you did not do IVF the traditional way. So for our listeners, when someone does IVF, For the most part, they get an injection to stimulate their ovaries to create eggs. Those eggs are then extracted from the ovaries. The first part of that would be considered egg freezing if you decide to stop there. If you have a partner that you're ready to make an embryo with, it then gets mixed with the sperm and an embryo is created. And then before the embryo is implanted back inside you, the woman is usually given quite a bit of hormones to stimulate her body so that she can accept that embryo with higher likelihood that it'll actually then go on to be a successful pregnancy. So Anita, can you tell me a little bit about sort of what you did is different? Absolutely. I'm excited to share this part because again, I'm a pediatric critical care doctor. I had no idea what my options were. So I really had to sort of take on the role of a patient in this process and ask as many questions as I could. And 
one sort of background history for myself is that I have tried to go on normal birth control, low estrogen birth control in my life. And I've always had really bad reactions to that, meaning my mood, like I would just get very depressed. So I was particularly scared and nervous to go down this IVF route because I know sort of my history and my reaction to hormones. So for the exactly what you said, so there's two parts to IVF, or I guess three really, egg harvesting, making of the embryos, and then transfer. So for the egg harvesting, I talked to my doctor extensively about my own history and told her, look, if most women go on estrogen birth control prior to egg harvesting so that they can time their cycle. And I told her, if there are any options where I can avoid that, I would really like to. And she fortunately really, really respected sort of my history and my preferences. And she said, okay, we'll not time it. It just means that things are going to be a little uncertain for you as well. And she was right. It was really honestly difficult because I never knew exactly when you know my egg harvesting was going to start, but we did that. And then I will say to harvest the eggs, I went on a normal protocol. So I had to give myself shots of LH and basically hormone shots that any woman would go on to our harvest eggs. The really unique part that I'm really happy I did was for the implantation process, Again, most women go on an oral estrogen pill or basically a birth control pill, and then they also start progesterone shots. And these are intramuscular, essentially most women put them in their butt shots. Yeah, not comfortable. (laughs) Not comfortable, not the funnest. And then they have to do those up through 10 weeks of their pregnancy. And I had done a lot of reading and again, a lot of questions to my friends and my own doctor about what's called a natural cycle transfer. And what that means is, again, I did not go on an estrogen pill prior to, so we did not time it with an estrogen pill. And I will be honest with you, this was one of the hardest things for me because I did not know what day I was going to start the progesterone, but I did it. And I just had to go in to see the doctor a little more frequently to check my uterine lining and uh, my blood test. So a normal person wouldn't have to go in at all because basically you just are on your estrogen. They stop. You'll get your uterine lining checked and blood tests and go. I had to go in, gosh, it's hard to remember, but I would say every other day to every two days for about a week to a week and a half. And that was really, honestly, it's just annoying and tough, but it's okay. It worked out. And then when it came to the progesterone part of things, instead of doing an injection, because my body was still going to produce some of the natural hormones that you produce anyways, I just had to do essentially a vaginal suppository of progesterone. And I had to do that three times a day with the thought that I would continue that through 10 weeks of pregnancy if I were to get pregnant. So you still are on some progesterone, but again, it's not a shot. And I got to avoid the estrogen altogether. I did have a modified sort of hormonal regimen. I looked up the literature myself and talked to friends and the outcomes of doing a natural cycle transfer and a hormonal transfer are actually pretty equal. But I also want to say with the caveat that every person's reason for doing IVF is different. And your doctor may say, you know what, that's not an option for you because of your risk factors. I think it's always worth asking the question if you have the same risk factors as me or you just don't love hormones, but also make sure that Just because it may have 
worked for me doesn't mean that it works for everyone, but you never know until you ask. And I truly got to do this regimen just because I asked a lot of questions. Yes, totally. And I think that's one of the things that we really focus on here at Fem Health is that we want women to just know that these options are available to them. Because quite honestly, I'm also a doctor and I've been through the egg freezing process. And when you told me that you had done that, and I was like, Oh, I got to get her on the podcast. Okay. I had no idea that was even an option. Because yeah, when I went to go see my doctor, the funny thing is, is, because I've done the egg freezing, and I actually had a fairly positive experience, I didn't have too many symptoms during the actual egg freezing process. I was more scared of doing the big progesterone injections and the transfer if I had to do that one day. And so when you told me that this was an option, I was really shocked. It's not something that's really talked about or well known. No, it's very new, to be honest. And you get that sense just by reading the literature that there's literature showing that it's probably the same outcomes. But as a researcher myself, I can read it and know that this literature is also saying that it's not been around long enough to truly know. So there was some uncertainty going into it, but I want it. it for me and sort of my mental and physical health, it was worth a shot. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing worth mentioning to our listeners is that there is a financial implication because right now if the literature does not possibly measure them as equal and you do a cycle and it doesn't work, you lose that embryo. And that yes. obviously can have financial implications and emotional implications of being devastating as a loss. 100%. So one thing that I'm super excited to talk about <laughs> is that you are pregnant. Yes, I am. <laughs> so congratulations. This is super exciting. And this was Thank from you. the natural IVF cycle. Yes, exactly. So it worked for me. I got really lucky. Honestly, my fertility for me was a total black box. Like I never tried to get pregnant. I am in the quote unquote advanced maternal age sectors. I honestly didn't know what was going to happen, but I was one of those lucky few so far that it has worked so far. So I'm really excited. Yeah, that was amazing. When I heard the news, I was just so happy for you. And I've been following your story on Instagram. For any of our listeners who want to continue to follow Anita's story, you can find her at Anita K. Patel MD on Instagram. And I was following your story on Instagram and I was just like, whoa, no way it worked. Not that I <laughs> doubted, but it felt like too good to be true. But I, I even totally for agree. me as an outsider, sort of yeah. like, oh my God, it worked. Like this is science and it can yeah. work. I mean, as a doctor, and particularly as a pediatric critical care doctor that assumes that anything that will go wrong will go wrong, even after I got my positive pregnancy test at my doctor, I told you this before, I didn't believe it. Until I actually saw the embryo, I think that was around a month to, I think it was six weeks, I actually didn't believe it and I didn't announce it. And I'm such an open person, as you said, I shared Every single shot for my IVF, every hormone, I shared it on Instagram, but I wasn't ready to share it until I saw the embryo because I truly didn't believe it. I was like, this can't have worked on the first shot, but I guess it did. So. Well, that's great. And it's just yeah. such an inspiration and sort of beacon of hope for a lot of women that are trying and have thus far been unsuccessful or are dealing with secondary infertility and I think that you sharing is really valuable to this community and to just helping women to know that there are other options out there. Because I think that a lot of people underestimate how much 
external hormones affect us. And you really have to be willing to sacrifice a lot of other things in your life. You know, you react poorly to hormones. Like, are you ready to maybe sacrifice the health of your marriage for a few months? Right. I mean, there's a lot of implications that these hormones can have. I think you hit the nail on the head. And I am so lucky to have a partner that, let me just say this, Brian, my husband, has not missed one IVF appointment. He has been with me to every single blood draw, every single ultrasound. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a more supportive person in my life. And honestly, I hate to say this, but the first trimester for me has been really tough and I'm putting him through the ringer again. But you know what? He just laughs his way through it. So it's your baby. It's your baby putting you through the ringer. It's not, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Have it all the baby. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy we got to talk about this. Is there anything else you want to sort of tell the women listening about your journey or about IVF in general? Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I love the mission of Fem Health, and that's really to empower and educate women. And IVF and actually the act of sharing my IVF journey has truly changed my life and the course of my life. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And it continues to be the hardest thing I've ever done. But I would just encourage more women, and you can do this privately or publicly to share with your friends, your family, what you're going through. Because I think one of the most heartbreaking things that I discovered while I decided to share it was all these friends and family that had gone through it then told me. And these are some of my best friends, and they went through it silently. That to me was heartbreaking that they felt like they couldn't even tell their closest friends and family. So I would just urge women who are listening, you don't have to share with your Instagram community, but share with me, you can DM me or share with another woman on Instagram who's also going through it. There's a wonderful fertility tribe on there or share with your friends because the chances are they've gone through something similar, whether it's IVF or trying to get pregnant. I just, I don't want women to be alone in this because there's just no reason to be. We're all going through the same stuff and there's really no shame in it. So that would be my biggest message, honestly, is just educate yourself, empower yourself and share with at least one person because there's no reason to go through any of this alone. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you may even find that when you share that other person opens up about something they may be struggling with and it's really good to keep that dialogue open. Yeah, great, great final points. And thank you so much for being on the show. We really, really appreciate you being so open and honest. And just for being such an investigator as to what your (laughs) options are. So we can learn from you. Because like I said, I had no idea. But thank you again. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to the Fem Health podcast. Definitely keep in touch online and on Facebook as well as on Instagram on Instagram, we're at Fem Health Project. And on the internet, you can find us at www.femhealthproject.com. We will see you next time. Thanks. 